Well, it's our last Sunday with you for a while. I could just go bow your heads and close your eyes and Janet and I sneak out and get in the car and go, head towards Sydney. But then I'll waste a sermon. Now, we're actually going on long service leave. I met Peter for the first time out there and said, going on, yeah, good to meet you. Been here a few weeks. Uh, I said, yep, you won't see me for another six weeks. Uh, going on long service. He said, you're too young for long service leave. How about that? I'll take that declaration. I said, well, this is actually my third long service leave. Um, so I said, I age well. So third long service leave, we're actually going to see our families. Uh, we, we have not seen each other's families since 2007. That's the price. And uh, so we're going to do that. Our three remaining parents that live long way apart from each other, um, they're, they're aging they're going downhill, so we want to spend some time with them, and uh, we appreciate your prayers during this time. Also, we get to do some good things. I'm going on a moose hunt. Well, actually, we're in Washington, D.C. this time next week. Um, so we're in Philadelphia first, then Washington, D.C. Donald Trump needed some advice, so after he goes in. Somebody said to me the other day, are you kind of getting a flak jacket before you head into Washington, D.C.? Um, actually preaching at my mentor's church next week. Um, he went up there and planted a church back in 1977, and I actually helped him plant that church. So uh, I've had, and we've had, but I've had relationship with his church, and I've had relationship with him and his wife since 75 when I got born again, and with their new planted church since 77. So he said, oh, you've got to come preach. So I've got to preach next week. So yeah, yeah, and then, then we go on a, a moose hunt. I don't know if we're literally hunting, but... For 35 years, my mentor has taken my peers off to a, a cabin in the mountains with snow, and they do this annual thing called the moose hunt. He's been saying, for 30 years, Keith, you've got to come. Finally, 35 years down the track, I get there. So if I do kill a moose, I'll bring the head home, and I know you'll love me for it. <laughs> Those things are as big as a horse. So, so, but we're confident that you're in good hands with the staff. Very confident. Matter of fact, could all the staff just stand, paid and unpaid? Could the staff stand? Good. All that are here, I'm trying to think if any are on holidays or away. Who's away today? Who? Mel? Yes. Who else? Anybody else? Yeah, Simon, you should have saw him. Mel took all four kids and she's gone for a couple of weeks. And Yeah, see, that's what I mean. He's free. He's enjoying life briefly. Listen, I'm convinced that these guys aren't going to hold the fort while we're gone. They're going to take ground. We're not in a, we're not in a ground holding season. I'm oh, sorry, a fort holding season, but a ground taking season. I want you to stretch out your hands towards them. I want you to speak out right now declarative prophetic words over them. Advancement, breakthrough, much fruit. Come on, speak it out, church. We're proud of these guys. We've seen them come a long way in such a short time. And we are so confident that God is going to take you further. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Awesome. We're confident in these guys. Seeing God do so much. So, yeah, it's going to be good. Now, this month, actually a couple of the staff members, Darren and Nate, to uh, name the two, just really sensed in God. They got together and they started planning even before I left. 
It's a takeover. <laughs> they think it's a takeover, but I'm actually handballing, and they didn't realize it. Uh, but they really sense God saying, in this month, this first month of the year, we want God to enlarge our faith. We want to explore the reality of faith, authentic faith. Faith is something we talk a lot about, but very few people actually step up into a faith that moves mountains. It's a lot of those things. It's kind of like the sinner's prayer. Everybody knows it's out there. Everybody's probably prayed it at some stage, but it just kind of fades into the background. It doesn't have a lot of meaning. And faith is like that. And they, they believe God was saying, I want to take you to a new zone of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my world, I feel like the father who had his son, who was demonic, couldn't get set free by the disciples. Jesus comes down from the mountain and said, if you believe, you know, the, the father said to Jesus, if you can, would you heal him? And Jesus said, if I can. Then he turned it back on him and said, it's not if I can, it's if you believe. It's almost like, of course I can. What was the father's response? Help my unbelief. I don't know about you, but there are times in my Christian walk where I get bombarded with these arrows of unbelief. And I don't want to just know about faith. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Paul said, knowledge puffs up. There's a lot of people who, oh man, they're so arrogant about how much they know in the Bible. And he said, all that does is make you inflated in your own ego. And he said, knowledge puffs up. And it's not wrong to know, but it's wrong to know just for knowing's sake, just for knowledge. We don't want that. We want faith unlocked in such a way that we live by faith, we, we move by faith, we're released by faith to impact our society for the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. And last week, we started talking about faith being awakened through trust and surrender. It's almost like in a lot of Christians, faith is this sleeping giant, just waiting to be awakened in that moment. No, that's not God, so you're awake. It's okay. And this is, you know, this is when we let go of the reins and we trust God. We trust Him. When the Bible says believe, it's not saying understand. It's saying trust. Trust means surrender, abandonment. Don't try to work it out yourself. Rest in His grace. Now, I, you need to know something. The Bible is full of paradoxes. And, and, and there's a paradox in this realm of grace. Two truths that sit side by side like railroad tracks that are equally needed. And they, they operate in a dynamic tension, but both are very true. And they seem like they contradict. And it's grace and hard work. Listen to me. Even saying those two things in the same sentence seems like a contradiction. Most people jump to one or the other. It's, it's a good thing God doesn't. Most people will jump to hard work through religion and think it works. Some, some people will jump to grace and do nothing and think that works. Some people see grace as a ticket to easy street. I don't know about you, but I found it easier not being a Christian. Ooh, that went quiet. If people think being a Christian is a crutch for emotionally weak people and it's an easy life, you need to get a life. Because this life is a tough life. It is not for wimps. Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. 
And I'm telling you, this is not an easy life. And some people think, well, grace just absolves me from any responsibility or effort. That's not what Paul, the apostle of grace, said. Paul gets this amazing revelation of grace that set him free. Absolutely set him free from religious effort. And here's what he said. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Watch this. No, I worked harder than all of them. Just because he got a revelation of grace and he got set free by grace doesn't mean he stopped working. He said, it's not me. It's the grace of God that's at work. It's no longer my flesh. Because Paul was not working so he could receive grace. He was empowered to work by grace. All right? You got it? Paradox. And people jump to one or the other thinking it's the finality of truth. Both are in a dynamic tension to run this race called faith. But here's another paradox in this realm of grace. Striving and rest. Hmm. I, I know you think the word striving is one of those S words that Christians should never say. But do you know it's in the Bible? I mean, it might appear like diligence, effort. Did you know that? In the original, it means straining, pursuing. And you talk about something that sounds contradictory and foolish to say striving and rest together. And yet that's what writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Listen to this. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. What? Surely that's a mistake. Somebody missed the translation there. No, they didn't. Let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What disobedience? The disobedience of the Jews who thought they could make it by religious effort and works. Let me tell you, religious striving never got anybody into the presence of God. That's why, you know, I, I get a little bit labored Here's the here's honest truth. I love worship. I get a little bit wearied with worship that goes for on, on. And they sing the same words about a hundred times. And they open their eyes to go, has he come yet? That's striving. Where's the rest in he's here? Let's enjoy it. Man, he was here before you got here. You didn't bring God into the house. He's here. I'm telling you. The writer of Hebrews is actually talking about salvation and you're not going to get it through keeping some kind of religious law. Period. The only way to be saved and to be made right with God is to rest. Rest in His work for your salvation. Abraham believed God, therefore it was counted as his righteousness. He believed, he trusted, he rested. I can't make this thing happen, God. You ever get to that point where you get so frustrated with God? I can remember when we were looking for our house, first and only house. We still live there. Um, the only house we've ever owned. Al and Val Cutler were helping us. Al was retired manager of a bank. He knew exactly how to look. After looking at about the hundredth house, I just threw my hands up in there and said, Give up! I can't make this happen! I can't find the house! Probably used a few superlatives. <laughs> Al just said, typical Al fashion. He's got the patience of Job, and I'm, I just give up. 
That was the only place I finally came to rest. And within a week, we found a house. But I was trying to make it happen. And I'm telling you, the people that try to make this thing happen are not letting God make it happen. To rest in Him means to place all your trust, listen to this, in His completed work for you. That's what it means. And the deal is this, while we receive salvation by resting in His work at the cross, the enlarging of your faith takes diligence. It doesn't just fall on you and land on you. You've got to rise up and exercise faith. I, I said last week over at Northwest, and I know this is going to sound like an oxymoron, but I have to work hard at faith. It's, it's a confession. I remember somebody saying years ago, Keith's got the gift of faith. I laughed. I said, no, I don't. I don't have the gift of faith. Man, I work hard at faith. And it sounds so foolish, doesn't it? But what it means is this. I don't find trust and surrender easy. Because my work ethic, my independence, my pride, my fix-it mentality causes me to say, i got to do it my way or it's not going to work. I, don't know. I think a lot of men are like this. I don't know if you ladies are, because I'm not a lady. I don't get in your head. But I know we're like this. I've got to control this thing or it's not going to happen. Just give me the steering wheel. I'll tell you, you go, that's, it just doesn't happen. That's not rest. Well, what's the answer? Is it to just sit around and do nothing? My faith will grow if I, if I don't exercise any energy around this? No. Listen, biblical rest does not mean that we are powerless. Rest does not take away our passion. Rest does not mean inactivity. Rest means, listen to me, I cease from striving to be saved. I cease from striving to be approved. I cease from striving to earn my worth as a son. I rest from being driven to prove something Yet I'm released to, pr to pursue something or someone. I don't find that a contradiction. I don't find that nullifies grace. And I find Paul beginning to talk that out in his most personal letter to people that he was very transparent and open with. The church at Philippi. His approach in Philippians 3 just kind of encapsulates what I'm trying to tell you right now. As he reflects on his previous life as a very zealous, I mean... He, was, he, was, he would have been called a terrorist if they had that language in those days. If there was such thing as strapping a bomb to his body and blowing up the nearest temple, or not the temple, but the nearest church, he would have done it. Paul was a terrorist. He was, he was vehemently, hatefully against Christianity. And he was doing all of that in the name of getting God to have favor on his world. And he gave it all up. For rest. His life in Christ. But it didn't lessen his activity. Listen. No person on the planet. Including Jesus Christ. And I say this. As respectfully and honoring as I can. But I'm talking about statistically. No person on the planet. Has made an impact for Christianity. More than Paul. Without a doubt. Did it cause him to become active? Inactive. No, it, it focused his activity and purified it. So then he, let's pick up his conversation, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He's saying, man, I just, 
I gave all this stuff away because I want to know Christ. I want to be like Him in every way. Even in His death, I want to be like Him. Verse 12 says, But not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Do you know Paul never said that phrase anywhere else? Never. But one thing. He did a lot of things. But one thing. You know what he's saying? This is the highest priority of my life. I forget what's behind me and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's talking about a pursuit. You hear what the life of grace does? It rises up a pursuit in you. And here's the, here's the irony of it. It's a goal you're chasing that you will never catch until that day. But you never stop chasing it and you never lessen the hunger for it. I want to know Christ. He's very deliberate about this. This is what it means. Rest does not take away my deliberate pursuit of Christ. There's this continual exercise. Hear what he says. I press on. You know what that means, that phrase, I press on? To move quickly and energetically toward an objective. I'm not going slow and I'm not taking my foot off the pedal. I'm going as hard and as fast and as long as I can pursuing this. You go, man, I'm tired just reading it. Depends on where your energy is coming from. Depends on what kind of fuel you got in your tank. I find that if I've got fuel in my tank that's about me, it, it's kind of like E10 fuel. It burns very quickly. But if I got Octane 98 in there, baby, I'm just going down the highway full speed for a long time. And there's no doubt, you know, Paul's saying, I know I've been saved by grace. I know I'm made right by Christ and what he did for me, but I'm energized to pursue God with more passion than ever before in my life. He said, I, I'm taking hold of that which has taken hold of me. It, there's this thing about being possessed. You might think it's a dirty word. <gasps> Possession, call the exorcist. Don't ever try to exercise this out of you. Exorcise this out of you. Because we need to possess what possesses us. This is what Paul said. I'm laying hold of what laid hold of me. Get this language for a minute. Paul is talking about knowing Christ and the passion of that. I want to lay hold of this. I want to make everything about him my own, just as he made everything about me his own. Did you miss that? Everything about you came into his life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And he'll sanctify it. Don't worry about that. He loves you so much. He pursued you so passionately. He came after you to possess you so much that... He grabbed hold of you. Think back. Think back to the day Paul met, or Saul, met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Man, just knocked him down to the ground. Boom. And Jesus took hold of Paul and he changed his life forever. And he grabbed him with a love and a zeal that wouldn't let go. And in essence, Jesus is saying, I want you. And I've got an incredible plan for you. And I will walk with you until the day it's complete. That's it. And it's like Paul's going, man, I want that kind of passion. Do you realize that kind of passion took Jesus all the way to the cross for you? 
He didn't sit in the garden, you know, of Gethsemane and go, "Mm, Keith, what am I sweating about for him? Father, he's stuffed up. Father, sometimes he doubts. Father, sometimes his energy passion goes down. Why am I sweating over this? I'm about to face a cross for this. That wasn't the dialogue he had. That wasn't the motive of his heart. Knowing the worst of us, he still gave it all. Everything. And Paul's saying, man, I, I, I want to take hold of this. I want to be possessed by this. And we've been possessed by Christ and for Christ. And he pursued us. He reached down through time with nail-scarred hands. And he grabbed hold of us with a zeal and a love and a commitment. Now, I don't know about you, but I want that in my life. I don't want it to... I, you know, I'd, I'd almost rather not be a Christian than have this lukewarm or roller coaster Christianity. I'd just rather not do it at all. What, what's the deal? Jesus didn't do that. I, I want to possess what he possessed me with. Because he shaped us with a plan and he's going to complete that plan. He said, I'm committed to that in you. Well, how committed are you to that? How committed are you to that in you? Are you grabbing hold of that the way he grabbed hold of you? Faith doesn't just get big because you sit around and think I can. You know, it wasn't enough for Paul just to be born again. There's this issue of enough. He he knew, look, I I just, I'm passionate. I, I can't just be an average Christian. For Paul to know Christ means I've got to become like him. His faith causes him to rise up and pursue this with everything that's within him. Listen again. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining. It's an interesting word. The word literally was used of the Olympic Games. I don't know if you've ever run in sprints. Anybody ever run in sprints? Yeah. First rule they tell you, apart from staying in your lane, is don't look back. Right? Second thing they tell you, as as soon as you get close to that line, you throw your arms back, your chest out, and you stretch your head to strain to get across that line. And sometimes you win by that much. This is the word Paul's using. The stretching of the neck forward. The straining forward to extend out. Paul said, I need to extend myself. In my faith. I kind of get that sense that that's where a lot of us are at. We need to be extended out. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your easy chair. Get out of your Christianity that is just an attachment to you. Get out. Extend out into the realm of risk. Get out into the, into the realm of miracles. Get out into the realm of mountains being moved in your world. Extend out. I don't know about you, but I don't find that comfortable. Come on, just everybody do that right now. Ah, oh, you didn't do it. You know it's uncomfortable. You might say, man, oh, Keith, you're wearing me out. Where's the rest in that? I thought one of our 12 maxims stated that we learn to rest instead of being driven. That's true. It's true. 
But the difference is when we're driven to achieve standing, respect, self-esteem, really what we're doing is trying to get other people's opinion to be good about us. And even our own opinion to be good about us. And you know what happens when we do that? We drive ourselves into the ground because that kind of living is a big black hole where enough is never enough. Paul said, that's not what I'm about. Because he rested in his complete work at the cross. And, and that's what it's about. We rest in his complete work. You know, I can only have the passion I have because of his passion at the cross. Do you get that? I can only pursue him the way I pursue him because of the way he pursued me. I'm grabbing hold of that. His faith in me enlarges my faith in him. That's the deal. Every day I want my faith to rise up and say, I want to become more and more like him. I want to know him. We can sit around all day and postulate. So how do I hear the voice of the Father so I can do what? Just get up and do it. It's not that complicated. What would Jesus do if he saw a beggar? What would Jesus do if he saw a blind man? Well, that's what the Father's doing. Just do it. That's what it means to know him. To know him means this is what he would do right here, right now. Have compassion on somebody that society casts out. Because God wants to bring it all to completion. You know, the word completion, the word finish, the word perfect. It's all the same in the original language. When God rested from... Think about this. A bit earlier in the Hebrews 4 passage, it talks about, and God rested from his work on the seventh day. What do you think that means? That God just sat by the Mediterranean sipping a Mai Tai? I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Listen, God has never been inactive in all of eternity. Jesus said that. He said, every day my Father is at work. He didn't stop working. So what does it mean when he rested? You know what it means? It literally means he completed what he started out to create and he looked at it and said, very good. He enjoyed it. He completed it. He enjoyed it. Did he sit by and do nothing? No, not at all. The whole universe would have just flung into nothingness if he sat and did nothing. God is committed to the completion of the work in you just like he was in creation. So that one day he sits back and he looks at you and me when we're there face to face and he goes, very good. I mean, Paul says this at the beginning of this letter in verse 6, chapter 1, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until. God is committed to the until. He's not committed so long as you. He's committed to the day until Christ comes again. And my confidence, my rest is not in inactivity or less energy. My confidence is in the fact that God laid hold of all of that to complete it in me. And my passion causes my faith to rise up and lay hold of that completion in a day today. Look at it every day and go, what, what's been completed by God today? 
How good is that? So I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to give up or give in. I'm not going to stop pursuing him. I'm not going to let circumstances take me back, take me down or take me out. I'm pressing on towards this until. That's faith. So come on, let's stand our feet right now. Now I was thinking about this. This is not ministry time. I do not have the gift of laying hands on you so you get a big faith. Matter of fact, that doesn't exist. I wish it did. I'd have been the first in line. Because I'd love to get it easy and quick. But it doesn't happen like that. There is no ministry time for the enlarging of faith. What it is, is there is a time of decision. Decision. It's not a time of give it to me. It's a time of decision. I will. You remember the things I told you? Go through the scriptures and look at the scriptures like this. I am. I have. I can. I will. What comes first? I am. I am a son of the Most High God. I am because I am. I have. I have all things pertaining to life and godliness. Because I am His Son, I have all things pertaining to life and godliness. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And because I am, and because I have, and because I can, I will therefore step out in faith and pursue Him. I press on. I take hold. One thing I do. I'm just saying to you now, this series in faith isn't about knowledge. And it isn't about some impartation of ministry. It's about a decision to be a person of faith that says, here and now, I want to know Him. Therefore, I press on. I take hold. One thing I do. So just close your eyes right now. Won't you just do some business with the Holy Spirit? He's forever, forever, forever changing us into the image and likeness of Christ. Just let him right now speak into your life. Let him challenge you for a minute and say, what's your rest in? Is your rest in your your work, your effort, your striving, or is your rest in what he has done? But then let him talk to you and say, so what are you laying hold of right now in your world? Is it him? Everything about him? His incredible plan for you that he had even before the world began? Because you were saved by grace through faith. It's not of your works. It is the gift of God. So you don't boast about it. But you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for you. It's decision time. God is calling out for a people who will no longer be on the edge of lukewarm. God is calling for a people who will no longer use grace as a lazy inactivity. God is calling for a people with a passion that will pursue Him and say, but this one thing I do. God will trust the pearl of great price to such a people. His church, His house, revival. I want to be that person. 
make that decision right now. I want to be that person. No excuses. No circumstances to stop it. I stand and say, I am. I have. I can. I will. Come on, just in your heart right now. Make that decision. It's about you and your faith. It all begins with surrender and trust. We said that last week. It begins with that moment where you say, I'm going to stop trying to rule my life, run my life, and try to finish my life with me in control. I'm going to stop trying to somehow earn my way into heaven. That's where it all starts. I'm going to stop trying to make God think I'm good enough to be accepted into heaven. And I'm going to surrender to Him and trust Him. This is where faith begins. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. That confession means I surrender to you. And if there's anyone here today who's never done that, who's never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and started the journey of faith, why not right here? Why not right now? What stops you? What's more important than that? Can I encourage you, if you want to do that, to pray a prayer something like this. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it in your heart. Father God, I come to you knowing that you have a great plan for my life and love me so much that you gave your only son who died on a cross for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to make me your child. Come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name, I put my faith in you. I trust you for my life in eternity and here and now in Jesus name that's where you start the journey of faith it's that simple and if anybody's done that here today just keep your eyes closed just give me a wave just kind of want to celebrate that with you I'm not going to call you by name or embarrass you I just want to celebrate that with you that today was your beginning point of surrendering to God trusting him you might not have ever done that before but you are on that journey and today is a start where you trust in what Jesus did for you when he died on the cross just give me a quick wave because I'd love to celebrate that with you every week now people are making this kind of decision in one of our campuses one of our ministries and it might be you here today so just give me a quick wave if you pray to prayer something like that yeah good for you anybody else yeah I see your hand up there thank you thank you two of you thank you awesome anybody else you might have prayed that prayer listen if you did that um, I want to hang around for a few minutes before we have to take off and I just want to congratulate you and meet you and uh, we'd love to just put some material in your hand to start you on the journey of faith don't don't leave and think it wasn't that important listen it was important enough for you to pray it and then to let me know so it's important enough for you to come and say Keith that was me I did that 
and I'd just love to congratulate you and pray for you down here. I'll hang around the front. I'm not going to get you up in front of a microphone. That's not the deal. It's about your relationship with God. And there's about three of you that said, I, I needed to do that today. It was important. So make sure you see me at the front. Hey, we're going to miss you guys. Um, not going to be calling you. I can tell you that. We're not going to, we, we won't forget you, but I'd be lying if I said I want to think about you every minute. I, I have to switch off sometime, you know. So we will see you in weeks to come. But if you made that decision or you prayed that prayer and uh, you, you'd just like to let me know, I'd love to congratulate you on that. Thanks, Jez. Thank you, Pastor Keith.